Hello, and welcome to I Am Dad podcast with your fatherhood authority, Kenneth Braswell. 30 minutes of wisdom, information, resources, and nuggets to help you on your fatherhood journey. Or maybe you're just curious and want to hear some real talk about fatherhood, family, and the minds of men. Well, guess what? We got you too. Sit back, grab your pad and pen, and maybe even bring a little something to sip on. Enjoy 30 straight minutes of fatherhood, family, and fun with the fatherhood authority. Kenneth Braswell. Welcome to I Am Dad Podcast. I'm your host, Kenneth Braswell. Thank you for joining us, right? Another Sunday morning as we bring you um, voices from around the country and even sometimes around the world talking about this thing we call fatherhood. Uh, We like to bring you expertise, new happenings, new developments, new research, all that kind of stuff so that we can inform the field on how to better serve our dads, right? Because it's important to serve our dads because we know that our dads are just one of the focal points in strengthening families. And so we are concerned with all elements of the family. And in our space, we try to focus on dads so that we can bring that to highlight And every week we bring someone that I believe adds to that conversation. And I had the opportunity of meeting this gentleman probably now about three weeks ago. And I am just so glad and happy that I can present him for you because present him to you um, because this work is phenomenal in and outside of the context to which we're going to have the conversation today. But my guest today is Congressman Jimmy Gomez, and he proudly represents California's 34th Congressional District, one of the most diverse and culturally rich districts in the country. Um, In the 118th Congress, Congressman Gomez sits on the Committee on Oversight and Accountability and serves as an Assistant Whip of the Democratic Caucus and Deputy Whip of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. Congressman Gomez is also the founder and chair of what we're going to be focusing on today, and that is the Congressional Dads Caucus. How are you, Congressman? I'm doing great. Just uh, here in D.C., uh, a few hours from uh, going home, but uh, I'm doing great. Well, as the old Baptist minister would say, I won't be before you long. I want to make sure that you get home and get back to your children. But like I start all of my um, podcasts, I always start with kind of bringing people into you. And I start with this question because it's always an interesting question and I love hearing the story. Tell me your daddy's story. Your daddy's story can be from the perspective of you being a dad or your daddy's story can be from the perspective of your relationship with your dad or it could be both, wherever you're comfortable with telling me your daddy's story. No, I, that's a, a great question for, for me. You know, I'm first, I'm the youngest of, of six um, uh, kids of immigrant parents. And my dad was like a lot of parents. They worked a lot of jobs to make ends meet, put food on the table and a roof over our head. And, um, but he came from a different place, different culture. He was from Mexico. Um, you know, he had his his own personal struggles, but at the same time, always saw that he learned from those uh, struggles. So I definitely uh, appreciated that, and um, and just kind of the caring that he he had toward towards me. Yeah, and by no means uh, he was he wasn't perfect, but he uh, he he grew in his understanding you know um he used to discipline us with the with the belt back when we were young and then he realized that it was counterproductive and he started giving us long lectures <laughs> so, so um i think that shows like 
parents are really just trying to figure out how, how to be a parent. Um, he learned a certain way from his parents and he kind of wanted to, uh, he first followed that model and then he changed, right? So um, now I honestly, when I became, I became a dad in 2022, last year, August, um, I wasn't uh, a person that, I, I honestly I had no idea what I would be like as a parent. Um, I always thought I would be um, understanding. I always thought I would be uh, something I would care to do, but I waited. My wife and I uh, had been married 10 years. Uh, we waited until we decided to actually have a, a, a kid. And I think I always put everything ahead of, you know, having children, you know, my career, um, traveling, all of it. And we just got to a point that we had to decide, hey, are we going to have a kid now or never? And, uh, and, uh, and the question I asked my wife, I said, will we regret um, having uh, a, a, a child more than we will regret having that child or mm -hmm. not? And so we, we came to the conclusion, I think we don't want to regret not having a child. Um, so we made the decision and... Um, uh, but I never thought, I always thought I'd be the guy that would have that FOMO, right? Fear of missing out on stuff because they had to be home with the kids. And um, once my son was born, I, you know, I don't know, it just changed. You just, something clicks, you get it. And um, I remember watching him kind of, there's a photo of me holding him when he was in the NICU. He had a little bit of difficulties at the beginning, but it lasted 24 hours, nothing nothing big. But uh, I think I was just in shock looking at him, right? So, um and from that point, I didn't like, honestly, I haven't really missed much. I, had to, I always had this mentality, hey, I'm gonna, my wife's like, what are you gonna do? You're an elected official, you have always stuff to do. I said, I'll just throw the guy, I said, I'll throw that little guy on my back uh, and off to work. And, um, and that's what I tried to do, is like, I'm gonna take him wherever I go. If there's something going on, I have to go, I'm gonna take him. And uh, that's kind of been my mentality. But I haven't had that fear of missing out at all. Like if you say, oh, my wife goes, you've been gone. You have to do this. I'll be like, sure, why not? I'm not going to like stress about it. Oh, it's your, uh, I come home from working in Washington, D.C. for uh, three, four days a week. I get back. Say so I'm going to get back to um, when, I, when I travel, go from D.C. I usually leave on a 5 o'clock flight, get home around 8 if I'm lucky, um, nine, and uh, I land at eight, get home around nine, nine thirty, and he's already asleep. It's automatically my night. And if he wakes mm -hmm. up at you know twelve a.m. or one a.m. West Coast time, which is really four, almost four a.m. East Coast time, which I've been on, I have to get up and take care of him. But you know what? It's the best. Like even when he's crying or he's like fussy in the middle of the night, I'm tired. It's awesome just to be able to hold them. So for me, having Hodge, he was born last year, has been transformative. Um, I always, uh, and it's been a, a blessing. I always say that. I always thought what I did would be my legacy. You know, getting elected to the state assembly, passing paid family leave, the expansion of it in California, um, negotiating a trade deal here in Congress, so forth. I always thought that would be my legacy. Mm -hmm. And after he was born, I realized that he, um, if I do my job, he will be, uh, and he has the same passion for helping people, helping his country, helping his communities, that that will be my legacy. Because the, the jobs of elected officials 
are never done, right? Mm-hmm. It, it just, it, it, they're never done because we're always trying to strive for, for more. So it's been a ride, um, but I feel like because I am an older dad, I'm more calm. Uh, I'm financially better off. Um, I don't get flustered as easily. Um, uh, and, and trust me, I don't think that's would have been the case if I was having somebody <laughs> in my 20s. So it's well. been, I, I've been, been blessed. Yeah, if you were like me, I had mine at 17, and it has been a, it has been a ride. It has been a ride, but I just came back from Kenya. Um, I had the opportunity to go to Kenya to do some literacy work. Now, I've been to Africa before and gone to Ghana, and Ghana's a different story. It's a different narrative than it is. The West Coast of Africa is very different from the East Coast in terms of what its history is steeped in. And one of the things that I learned in Kenya, going out to the Serengeti and being out in the middle of the desert, jungle, bush, whatever you might call it, is that there's an ecosystem that's in place with all people, things, animals on this earth. And there's a cycle of life that continues no matter what you do from day to day. Mm -hmm. And it actually showed me that I needed to be always conscious of the moment, right? Because mm-hmm. the moment is what's important. So as you said, you can stress about, oh man, I gotta, you know, I just got back home on Tuesday, I gotta leave on Thursday, I gotta do this. And you start like overanalyzing your life and thinking about that you're not plugging in the spaces that need to be plugged in. When you're just in the cycle of life, you're moving, you're doing your calling and you're doing all these things and all these things are align with respect to who you are and why because i really believe that our children are our why right everything else is the what but our children is the why it's why we do what we do which was what brings me to this whole notion of the dad's call because i've been talking to people about this congressman since that meeting i did you know about this did you don't like no i'm like well you're going to know about it because i'm getting ready to blow this horn <laughs> really high and loud because I think it's important. And not only is it important, but it's incredible. And I just want you to take a moment to kind of just walk me through the process and the journey of thinking about doing this and actually doing it, because that's a story. I'm sure that there's some great stuff in there. Well, let me start off by saying that for me, politics is personal. Everything, how I approach politics is from my, a lot of my personal experience. No, I have, and and it does people don't need to have experiences um, with certain things in order to advocate to to change those things. Um, and I'm a son, son of immigrants. I believe in immigration. I, I and I believe in the beauty of this country and how it provides opportunities. But I think it can do better. So I fight for immigrants. I fight for health care because I grew up without health care. I fight for uh, paid family leave because before. I even was a dad because my um, uh, when I was seven years old, I ended up getting pneumonia, spent a week in the hospital, and between the hospital bills and my parents missing shifts from work, right, because they didn't get it paid if you actually missed a shift from work, um, we almost lost our house. We almost went bankrupt because of the, the financial pressure. Um, more, more expenses, less income, you, you run into some uh, problems, and that's what happened. So from politics is personal. Uh, and that's always guided me. So um, becoming a dad is the, one of the biggest things that has ever happened to me. And it's per, as personal as it gets. So I'm not, it's, um, 
it kind of leads into more of an urgency of fighting for kids and for families. Even though I was doing it before, as the son of immigrant parents, as a as a, an individual within a family structure that didn't have health insurance, struggled to make rent, struggled to make the mortgage, struggled to buy food. We never took vacations, right? We we're a working class. And I was always thinking about those families when I was legislating. Now I'm kind of like, oh, how do we help children? How do we make them better off um, in a more tangible way, in a more understanding way? And um, there's one thing to see policy on paper to experience a whole different different level. Um, so when when the um, I was proud, and this is how kind of like the dad's caucus came up, you know, I wanted to bring my son to the house floor, show him off, take photos with him, take uh, you know have. Speaker Pelosi and Hakeem Jeffries take photos with them. And that's all it's about. It's a celebration during the speaker's vote. And it, uh, my wife was there. My entire family was there. And it just, the day of the speaker's vote, it just dragged on and on and on and on. And my son, like, I always wanted to make sure that he was outgoing. And remember, I said, I'm going to, wherever he, wherever I go, he's going. And he loved getting carried in a baby carrier, front-facing, uh, having them out, look at things. I would go on three-mile walks with them at three months, right? So uh, he was um, he was loving it. So, but it was a, a long day of vote uh, series for the speakership, and I um, he was getting fussy, so I put him in a baby carrier. And I was talking to people in the cloak in the members' lounge, and I missed the vote, so I had to run outside with him, carrying him on my chest. And then I uh, I was standing there, and I was hearing people say, "Hey, I'm." Uh, I'm going to vote for Hakeem Jeffries for these reasons. And I said, you know, I'm going to vote. And, and I just, it just came to me on the floor. And I said, I'm going to vote for, uh, for, um, for my son, Hodge, and all the families out there that need uh, the, the enhanced child tax credit and, and paid family leave. I, I cast my vote for Hakeem Jeffries. And I guess it just became this thing. And, and, and it became a, a, a moment um, where all of a sudden I started getting phone calls from the different reporters, and one reporter DM'd me um, from the Today Show, and uh, I I saw it. It was like 10:30 at night, and then my staff wasn't around, and I just said, "Hey, you want to talk? I'm free. I'm I'm here." And so we started talking. We had a conversation for an hour and a half mm-hmm. on parenthood and fatherhood and so forth. And it was like at 11:30, and um, and public policy, and it just um, it was a people were shocked that I went an hour and a half with a reporter. That's kind of risky as an elected. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no. And uh, so I ended up doing that interview, and that article went really well. And somebody would just mention they were just seeing that I was taking my son around, and somebody said, "Hey, you should start a dad's caucus." And I was like, "Oh, that's a good idea." And then um, as I was walking back, um, a friend of mine who I knew from the labor movement that work, used, was working for Paid Family Leave U.S. or Paid Leave U.S., uh, US uh, uh, she um, sent me a text and said, hey, and, cause, and then I worked with her on Paid Family Leave at the federal level. She said, you should work. You should start a dad's caucus. We tried to do it bipartisan, bicameral, and we could never get it off the ground. I said, somebody else just mentioned that, but I'm just going to do it with Democrats only to show people that it, the power of, of a caucus and that's and, and it was the whole idea was to not let 
a viral moment come and go. Oh, that's mm. cute. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a lot of attention, got a lot of media, but how do you create the, take those moments, make them into movements to fight for, uh, for policy change, right? How do you mm-hmm. kind of use those? And that's why I decided to, we're going to create the dad's caucus and it's going to f- fight for three things. Paid family leave nationally. I, I, um, I'm come from California. We're the first state to have it. The benefits are extraordinary, especially when dads take it. Um, mm-hmm. Two, um, the enhanced child tax credit. Um, we had that in place during the pandemic, reduced child poverty from 40 to 60%, uh, depending on the community that a person lived in. Huge. And the last one was um, becoming a dad and trying to figure it out. Childcare, all of a sudden I was like, holy man, this stuff is expensive. <laughs> um, so those were the, the, the three things. But then at the same time saying, how do we demonstrate to the American public one, that dads need to do, like myself, need to do more stuff at home to help our spouses and in the halls of Congress. Um, there's a concept called default parenting, right? That the mother's often the default parent when a child gets sick, they take care of them. When they get sick and they have to leave school, the mother has to get, take time off of work. The mother has to be the one who takes them to a doctor's appointment. They have to do all this stuff. So we're trying to combat that notion of default parenting mm-hmm. and default legislating. Um, here in Congress, if you're a woman and you're a mother, you're the one who's going to be fighting for paid family, not the dads. And it's kind of like that was the mentality. Oh, they, they got it covered. And what I realized is like, no, we all have to have skin in the game. We all have to participate because we all have children um, or we're, you know, ch- we're children of, of parents or we have siblings, you, you name it. We all have to be in the fight for these policies, not just women. It's not mm-hmm. no such thing as these are women's issues, right, or children's issues. No, this is about that these are family issues. These are American competitiveness issues. So we started the Dad's Caucus. We started off with six members. We're over 30, I think 33 members now. Um, we're growing. I haven't tried to ask for Republicans to join because um, Republicans do have a different view of the role of government in people's lives. It's just Mm -hmm. a different mentality when it comes to government. doesn't mean that they don't want to be good parents um, and maybe we'll find a way to work together. But it it is a, um, the Dad's Caucus is really trying to um, be real partners and advocates on these issues and not just say, hey, this is, the women in the caucus should do it, right? So it's, um, and dads, we, we, we now talk. Like I, my son's coming to, Cong- uh, to D.C. next week. I need to play a uh, pack and play or, or something. <laughs> and and I, set, I sent a message to the dad caucus thread and, and somebody goes, okay, I got you. I have something, right? So it's like mm-hmm. we're also acting mm-hmm. as a support network. Absolutely. And that's important, you know. I get the opportunity to, and I think I might have mentioned it to you, but probably didn't emphasize. It was so, I was talking to um, Gary Barker. He was my interview. I interviewed him yesterday and we're talking about the reports. And and before we got on, I said, man, I got to be honest with you. I said, I did something at that meeting that I'd never, ever do. And he said, what? I said, I was so nervous about everybody who was going to be at that meeting that I scripted what I wanted to say because I did not want to 
forget anything. And I said, and I sat there and I was reading it. And then when I was done with it, I just kind of felt like I didn't say anything I wanted to say. Like in the moment of the conversation, he's like, what are you talking about? He says, what you said was phenomenal. I was like, I don't even remember what I said because (laughs) I was reading it. And it's not what I do. I always speak from my heart when it comes from this. But one of the things that I talked about is we have the opportunity of overseeing the National Responsible Fatherhood Clearinghouse for the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. And then we also have a fire grant, a federal grant on the ground here in Metro Atlanta providing services. So I get a chance to see this work on the federal level, the state level, the local level, and then right into the homes where these fathers are and what they were doing. And so much of what you were talking about and what you've already talked about resonated with me. And I just really kind of felt this responsibility to be the individual or be the entity that gives you all the information you need moving forward to really kind of understand what this work looks like on the ground. And what you said was so important around when you're dealing with fathers and like I said somebody, I said, I said, yeah, they're talking about paid leave. They're talking about this. And I said, I'm on team, all of that. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I said, but we got to talk about direct supports for dads. I said, because they're going to come in and they're going to be team, whatever you want them to be. But at the end of the day, it's going to be like, okay, now what is, how can we get support for the things that we're dealing with? And so these guys are coming in and they're really engaging in this thing that we don't expect them to engage in. And that's fatherhood. It's just so not true when they're conscious about them. What have you learned as you've engaged in the Congress, in the Congressional Dads Caucus? What are some of the things that you kind of seen have been epiphany points, aha moments that you have learned as you have gone through this um, journey? One of the things is, um, Dads, and I think just all parents, are passionate about wanting to be there and support their their kids. Um, And it's something deep, right? Something Mm -hmm. real deep. And when um, a dad, especially a dad, I think because dads are like, we're we're, um, just society says, you're the breadwinner. You're the ones supposed to provide support. Um, you know, and they they have all this pressure on, on them um, to do so. And when they can't for variety, whatever reason, it really hits hard, right? It, it's, a, it's a psychological blow. And under kind of feeling that, understanding that um, makes me really kind of like think about how how do we shape policy in order to support um, fathers to be engaged, but also to, um, it's not just saying, hey, you should be involved, right? That's easy to say. But how do you kind of give them the, the tools and, and, and the resources? Um, and, and it's, um, so, but that was kind of one of the things that I, I really did feel. Um, people, like, I love that, the, the fact that you started, what's your, 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 dad's story what's your your what's your what's the story and and i've met other members who shared their stories with me that they had kids when they were a lot younger and um, they got divorced and they had these kind of issues with their spouse or their former partner and 
it, it's powerful because it actually, what I'm trying to do is like, we need to also highlight those stories, right? That's not mm-hmm. it, it, every, every family doesn't end up on like, you know, it's not Ozzy and Harriet or Hallmark, right? It's, it's, uh, <laughs> life is, life is hard, but it doesn't mean that these dads don't want to be good, good uh, parents. And how do we kind of um, take time to support them? And then the other thing that really kind of hit me is just the, the amount of now parents that are like, that are talking about these issues. I always thought it was just, um, you know, I thought it was just uh, a lot of times it's middle class, upper middle class people that are saying, Hey, I, I need to get childcare. I need, right. Cause when you're uh when you're a, a kid of immigrants, uh, your child carries your, your, your brothers and sisters. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> They're older, they take care of you. But now people like uh, iron workers and building trades are talking to us about, hey, child care is a real problem. Yes. And we can't, not just for women, but for our single dads mm-hmm. who can't get to the job site because they don't have affordable child care that's consistent. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, realizing that how many people it touches from all walks of life and maybe that's just because every you know a lot of people are dads from all walks of life and then kind of like thinking about it from their perspective but so i would say those two things is one when a, a parent can't provide when a parent is um, um struggling there is a psychological toll and if you can help them kind of um feel like hey i can i can do this right there it's going to create positive change and an outlook so um it, so i'm um i heard some powerful stories that really moved me on, on, on that front and and it also caused me to reflect on my own parents right they worked a lot of jobs you know one of the things i was uh, when i was a kid um i think i was um I, I would say now upset about is that my parents never came to like, you know, teacher parent conferences or back to school nights, stuff like that. And I realized it's because they're trying to provide, right? They're working all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes kids also have to cut their parents a, a little bit of slack. Yeah. You know, part of what I'm really happy about just listening to you talk about this and that is, the fact that stories humanize the subject matter, right? And that's so important when it comes to fathers, that we begin to humanize their experience, that it's not just to your point, I don't want to be involved in my kid's life, which statistically is not true because 97% of all dads say that when their child is born, it's the best day of their life. So they start out having that level of passion that you're talking about, but then life happens. Right? Yeah. Life happens. And then you have to move along this cycle of life that I started talking about earlier. And sometimes that cycle of life doesn't lead you to the father knows best story and the exactly that leads you somewhere else. What have you been most proud of since you began the Dad's Caucus? Um, I've been proud that um, one just first my personal growth in being a dad like kind of thinking about things um proud that i've been able to 
want to engage, right? Like, 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 not engage. Um, that that I will like. For myself, it's personal growth. Is like, I love the fact that I'm a dad. I love the fact that my kid wants to come with me, or I want to bring him everywhere, and I'm going to bring him wherever I can. Like, that's kind of like, you know, and that is um, been the most. Uh, rewarding. Then starting, but starting the dad's caucus is making people talk about this issue, right? Dads, uh, dads, and uh, and dads in Congress fighting on these issues. We never had that before, where it was a constant. Because here, it's you know somebody works on a, an issue for 20 years, like Rosa Doloro, She's the champion of paid family leave, and if you're not on the right committee, you're not going to have a say, right? You're not going to have a say. And creating the Dads Caucus has created a platform for other dads who are not are brand new to Congress, don't have as much seniority or experience, or are on the right committees to say, "Hey, I have a voice that I can lend, an experience I can lend to helping pass all these pieces of legislation." So I'm I'm proud of proud of that, and then um, keeping the the dialogue um, going. I think that. In some respects, um, the Dads Caucus has emerged at a time where uh, there are podcasts like yours and other podcasts and, and, and organizations that are saying, hey, um, we do need to focus on fathers, their involvement, and making sure that they know that they have to have a, they should be speaking up, right, and then participating. I mean, there's dad meetup groups all over the place. There's, uh, um, there's different organizations that are um, coming up and about. So it's, um, it is fascinating. Um, but my, my job is hopefully is to keep this going, create the drumbeat for policy change, and then uh, and get something done. So, so far, um, so good. Um, it just sometimes it's hard to keep momentum, right? It's hard to <laughs> keep going. But we're, that's, but we're gonna do it. Yeah, the one hundred thousand dollar question, and I'm not dating myself. I'm just I heard about that show somewhere <laughs> on TV <laughs> or somewhere. How can we help you? What can the general public do to help you in the work that you are attempting to accomplish? How can we help? One of the things I want um, the general public to do is to um, talk about these issues, um, participate. Uh, make their, tell their stories. Um, you know, imagine if we had a, you know, we did a campaign where we say uh, we're going to have uh, 10,000 men tell their fatherhood stories. Mm. Right? That, that would, sharing those stories would help um, transform uh, what, it, what it means to be a, a dad in, in America and a dad in the 21st uh, century. And, and so, and the reason why is that if people do not talk about being a dad and they don't talk about how government can help um, or how government sometimes hurts the ability of fathers to be fathers, um, then people will never, it will never rise to the level of the American public's discourse where Congress will act on those pieces of legislation. So the drumbeat of people talking about it is so critical. 
Um, and in, in when a good example on paid family leave, Hillary Clinton and Obama made, oh, we're gonna, we can't get it done through Congress, but we're gonna get it done through the states. And they were just, ta- they went state by state by state. Um, back then, California, we, I expanded our program, but now I think is up to 13 states. So that was in 2016 to 13, and I think it was stalled at four states for such a long time. So pe- dads can lend, they need to, they need to tell their stories on social media, participate in, in uh, dad meetup groups, um, and then you know do their part as well when it comes to uh, helping with the, the kids. Um, it's hard. I mean, listen, I get it. It's, it is hard. It's challenging, but it's definitely um, definitely worth it. But they need it. We got to. We need people to uh, use their voices to fight for these issues. Well, you have a vehicle here in I Am Dad podcast and the vehicle in Kenneth Braswell and all the hats that I wear in this space, um, whatever we can do to help you, to inform you, to help activate. Don't hesitate to call. Um, We can move people, um, people who are very invested in this conversation across the entire family front. I always often tell people just because my organization is called Fathers Incorporated doesn't mean that we don't care about mothers and children. In fact, that's why we're exactly. called Fathers Incorporated because we care so much about mothers and children, right? And so don't hesitate to call. You are a champion. I commend you for the work that you've done thus far and believe that you're going to do a lot to help families um, across the country and possibly even beyond our borders by highlighting these conversations around these issues that impact all of our families that in different ways, right? And so to your point, there's no one way that the tax credit impacts only moms. It impacts dads, the, the, the black maternal health issue, which is exactly. one that's personal to me, right? Because what we're finding in our work that that's happening more and more around the country. And what is leaving behind are now fathers who are now finding themselves being single fathers at the same time, yeah. at the same time of grieving. Um, for yeah. their lost partner and then having to deal with tax credits and daycare and all of those other things yeah. that we all got to deal with, right? Yeah. And so thank you so much for your work. Any last leaving words? No. And no, it's um, first, thank you for inviting me on. And, and you're absolutely correct. This is not just about dads, it's about mothers and children. Um, and two of the, the first bills that we introduced, uh, we endorsed as the Dad's Caucus, it was the Momnibus bill dealing with uh, black maternal mortality, mortality uh, crisis that's going on in the country by Lauren Underwood. Um, that was the first bill that the Dad's Caucus endorsed as one of our main priorities, as well as um, the child, the enhanced child tax credit. So um, it, it is, um, we're doing this because uh, not only for our, ourselves, but for our kids and for um, the women out there who who are giving uh, birth and often sometimes giving their lives to to the, the birth of their child. So Kenneth, uh, whatever you need, let me know. I look forward to keeping this uh, issue going. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And thank you to all of our I Am Dad podcast listeners for listening to our special guest this week, Congressman Jimmy Gomez out of California, who is the chair of the Congressional Dads Caucus and many other hats he wears in the work that he does in public service um, for all of you and more specifically for your families. And so however we can help in supporting you, we are going to mobilize to do that and make sure that 
the well-being of our children are always forefront of everything that we try to do. Until next Sunday, God bless. Take care. Thank you so much for taking the time to spend with us. You've been listening to I Am Dad Podcast. We hope that you have been informed, encouraged you to think, or even inspired your heart for the love of dads. The conversation does not end here. Come back and join us next week. Same time, same place. Or you can continue the dialogue on our I Am Dad Facebook page. We also invite you to listen to past episodes, learn more about us, and keep up with special activities by visiting IamDadPodcast.com. That's IamDadPodcast.com. Until next time, I leave you with this reminder of manhood from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Because of this reminder, I will always understand that I am dad, period.